0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days. I'm Noah. That's Stu. We're stopping in quickly before the end of the year for kind of a end of season, end of year recap. We like to do this at, at the end of every year. And so we covered a lot of distance. We'll get into that in this episode a little bit. We'll talk about my race at CIM a little bit in this episode and just kind of some random housekeeping stuff before we break for the holidays and come back at you next year. Before we get into that episode, I'm just going to take a second to mention the ways you can support this podcast, uh, you can check the show notes down below for links to all of this. But the main way we support this podcast is through donations through our Venmo. You can check the link down below. Think of that as our internet pip jar. We also have a Patreon, which is a recurring subscription. But probably most exciting right now is we have winter hats available for purchase you can find those available on our website, www.d3glorydays.com. And for listeners of this podcast, we have a little discount going, a little discount code on the down low. If you enter code LISTENER, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, you get 10% off your order. While supplies last, we don't have many left. But if you haven't picked up a winter hat yet, go ahead and do that. Thanks to everyone who has ordered. I think as of release of this podcast, just about everybody should have received theirs or if you haven't received it maybe there'll be a surprise under the Christmas tree for you but we really appreciate all of that support and that's about all for the housekeeping stuff and I think we'll just kind of jump right into the episode now this is going to be pretty informal and so Stu just happens to be here hi Stu how are you
1: hey Noah doing great it's our end of the year episode plus recapping a little bit about your CIM race one quick tidbit about CIM, which i think is funny is when i see the cim marathon because then people are really saying the california international marathon marathon did you it's hear redundant. any of that rumbling at cim
0: i would say most people at cim are pretty cim experienced and uh they're, they were not adding that extra marathon i kept wanting to do it but then i would just say california international marathon and then i would that would that would satisfy that urge
1: yeah, I saw that on the internet and thought that was pretty funny, even though we're what almost three weeks removed from the race still think that's fairly really funny. But yeah, as you mentioned, quick overview of what we've done this year, it's a little bit of CIM, and then we'll give some updates on what's coming in the future at D3 Glory Days. But let's kick it off with you, Noah, any opportunity you get to talk about yourself, I think you're going to take. So let's talk about the race. You know, we talked Earlier this year about you and I and our personal struggles, and that was back in February, or maybe that was January, and that was right before the time you elected to get surgery on your agland's deformity, that bone buildup on the heel, went through a lot of trials of tribulation. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And you qualify for the Olympic trials. But I want to take you back a little bit your first jog you put it up on your logger run wasn't even a mile and you had a couch to otq as the headline was there any doubt that you wouldn't be able to accomplish couch to otq
0: yeah i would say it was it was primarily doubt (laughs) that i would be able to to do it um yeah, that first run was actually like five by one minute with like three minutes of walking in between. I just like called it a continuous three quarters of a mile. But um, yeah, I, I really didn't know if I would be able to do it on such a short time frame. coming off, you know, what is a pretty invasive surgery, but I feel like I kind of needed to have a goal in mind and I was okay if it wouldn't happen, but I needed to think that I was working towards something. And so the Olympic trials was the logical answer.
1: So for those that don't know your exact timeline, can you share maybe, you know, what that date was of your first five by one mile when you've completed your first run over 20 minutes, when you had five days a week running seven days a week. And i I know you got to 100 miles like what was that timeline like getting to December December's marathon.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say before I try to remember off the top of my head that all this training is publicly available on loggerun.com. Uh shout, shout out, out loggerun. Log um just just in case anybody is dealing with something similar, it might be helpful for them to go take a look at that so you can probably just google it somehow but um, my I had surgery in at the end of January after deciding to have surgery after I dropped out of CIM 2022. Um, and then my first actual run, that five-by-one-minute run, was April 15th. And basically from that first run, I was kind of on a walk-run protocol for like six weeks, building up to a 20-minute continuous run. And after, after those six weeks or so, I was running about 30 minutes continuously at a time. And that's when I started feeling like, okay, this is like actual, this is like actual running. And I just started stringing together longer and longer continuous runs using pain as my guide. And if things were a little sore, I would run a little less. If I got out there and it felt good, I would run a little further um, and training more or less progressed pretty, pretty logically through the summer with, with a couple setbacks for sure. Like the left calf, my surgical side, I've had a tendency to kind of strain it a few times over the course of the build, which is really stressful because you'd get momentum and then you'd strain the calf and then you'd have to build back up. But I was able to get my training before CIM, up to around 100 miles a week, which for me is pretty normal marathon training volume, more or less. So I, I strained my calf 10 weeks, 10 weeks before CIM, and then restarted running at that point. I think I hit 100 miles twice and uh, just kind of hope for the best. It's definitely like the most under trained for a marathon. I I've ever been. And it was a big question mark in my mind. Like not only if I had the opportunity to build a fitness, but if like the structural integrity of the ankle w- would hold up to a race like that. Cause I hadn't done any racing. I mean, that I, I hadn't finished a marathon in three years.
1: Jeez. Yeah. And you think like that, that's, that's wild. To like have to have surgery, not be fully trained, I guess like la- or under trained and then go try to get this OTQ you know, I think the the toughest part is being a runner is, you know, your stats from previous years, you know, where you've been, you know, the work that goes into it. How did you not use comparison of where you were in the past to dictate where you were in the future and like how you were able to call a workout a success in the present time?
0: Yeah. Well, comparison definitely would have been a death trap because the the last marathon I finished, was when I ran 209 and I ran that marathon at 455 pace per mile off the best training block I've ever had and there was there was just no way that I was going to be able to to mimic that training on a surgically a recent recently surgically repaired Achilles um and so kind of what I had in mind was okay the OTQ pace is like 515 per mile and so, just as many miles as I can get around, five fifteen pace, is good. And then I can hopefully just rely on experience and talent when it comes to the the actual race. And so, you know, I, if I did a if I did a six mile tempo at five ten pace, I was pretty satisfied with that because it was a lot farther from where I mean, it, it, I'd come a lot long ways to be able to complete that workout, but. You know, at my when I'm really training for like a peak race, like I would want that to be like 455, 450 pace. And so it, it's just a big, it was a mental shift, but I was pretty comfortable making it because my only goal was to qualify. My goal wasn't to go out and set a PB. I just wanted to get like back on the board. And so in my realistic brain, I knew, okay, this is what I have to do to qualify. And whatever it takes to run 210, i'm not really interested in right now
1: your most impressive day was after d3 cross country nationals we did in the booth for however long we were in there for and then you just got up drove to some park in indianapolis and just cranked out 20 miles after doing a a great stand-up job at the d3 cross country national meet broadcast
0: yeah, everybody was talking about Ethan Gregg that day and Ethan Gregg's amazing performance and Fiona Smith's amazing performance. But what about your humble announcer who drove out to Eagle Creek, smashed twenty miles and puked his guts out <laughs> just right just right after the race? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was on such a limited time frame that I really had like there was no moving runs and workouts around. like I had to do twenty that day. and so we but I just focused on the broadcast, and then I focused on the run, and I felt really sick, and then I went home. <laughs> <laughs> all, all in a day's work. <laughs> all lot a day's work.
1: So, not to like expedite this, but I know you didn't want to lag on it for too, too long. But so, when you go to the line with the only goal of just qualifying, and you have two hundred nine on, you know, your nameplate in your resume, how do you switch your mindset from? focusing on qualifying and not focusing on a race, given how competitive you've been in the past.
0: Well, in my mind, running the trials qualifier with the year that I've had, because it wasn't just a surgery. I've had like a lot of shit (laughs) happen this year. That's made training really difficult, but in my mind, Running the trials qualifying time really was equivalent in terms of like a rewarding experience to that 209. I just happened to be in great shape when I ran 209, in great shape when I ran 211. And I knew I wasn't in great shape that day, but I thought if I could hit the OTQ on the last day that the OTQ window was open in a marathon where I haven't finished a marathon in three years, I thought that, you know so quickly after surgery would be an, an achievement like on par with my personal best. And so, you know, I really didn't, I could have run 217.59. I could have run 214. It, it really like didn't matter to me.
1: Do you see any similarities when you first started your pro career in terms of you qualified on the last possible day, the first time, and now you did it on your third time?
0: Yeah, I definitely thought about that a lot, like taking just kind of a Hail Mary, last chance qualifier when I moved to Colorado for the, I think three weeks after I moved to Colorado in 2015, I qualified for the half and then had like two weeks to train for the marathon. The window was open longer back then. Um, And now coming out kind of do or die again. I've always excelled in those situations, I think, where there's like, there's no, Back door. There's no like. uh, There's no opportunity to quit because if you quit, you just have to live with like the stark reality of like not having achieved the thing you wanted. And I'm pretty good at like forcing myself (laughs) to to do stuff and when I'm backed against a wall. And so yeah, I thought a lot about that. It like and how last chance the first time, the second time I qualified, I didn't even think about it. Like I ran under the qualifying time so many so many times. Like I was healthy. I was racing well people would be like, Oh, congrats on the OTQ. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't care. I don't even care about that. Like, (laughs) you know, I, I was like, I'm trying to make the team. And and now, you know, the third opportunity to once again, go back to being like, Oh, I'm just so happy to like be on the line. Uh, I've given myself a lot of grace with like how that mentality has, has changed over the year. And I'm just kind of happy I did
1: it. So city has put out the, last i don't even know how long it is maybe 100 meters 70 meters you tell me uh that turn and it was funny because i was watching the clock I'm like where's no gonna be and you can't really tell who you are like in the way distance off the turn but as soon as this gangly skinny guy <laughs> up pumping up the crowd makes that turn like i knew it was you I could see just how excited you were and like almost a relief and joy and i'm sure there was so much emotion you know coming down that final stretch for you, what was going through your head, you know, also kudos to you. You didn't stop your watch right at the line. So that's also uh, a major key.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I stopped the watch like five minutes after I totally forgot about it, but yeah, I mean the last two miles of a marathon are so long. I mean, time just distorts in a way that is difficult to explain unless somebody has experienced it. I mean, as you know, but it, it just, I felt like I was running forever, but I was pretty, pretty sure that I had a big enough cushion that I didn't have to stress because I knew my pace hadn't slipped at all. I think I'm really p- proud of the splits. They were all like very even, especially accounting for for like the undulating course because it is pretty hilly. Uh, but once I got to that like 26 mile marker before you make the left turn to the finish line, I knew that I was going to have about a minute, you know, to spare. And like I said, I didn't really care. Like I wasn't trying to, you know squeeze every every last second out of myself i just wanted the time and so you know i went wide pumped up the crowd a little bit in hindsight i was kind of like i gave up like four spots in the last half mile and so like when my competitive brain kicked back in i was like why did i just like give up four spots so i could like wave to the crowd (laughs) you know I, i think i went from like 13th to 17th just at the end for no reason and it was my slowest Split of the race, you know, because I was yeah enjoy it though yeah exactly. But it, I think enjoying it was the right call, and it, it was a big relief to know that I that I had done it because there was a lot of doubt. I I got to the starting line confident that if everything went well, I should be able to do it. But there was no guarantee, and even during the race, like the the Achilles and the calf on the surgical side was like kind of tightening up very early into the race, and so. I had a lot of doubts on if my body was going to make it until kind of the very end. And so, yeah, big relief, you know, I was super happy. And then, and then I turned my attention pretty quick to just enjoying the finish line because you, I think we've talked about before. And I think people who follow the sport know that the CIM finish line is very special because it's kind of like the, the working man's Boston. There's, A lot of people trying to hit the otq just fun fact there were over 150 people who went through 150 men um, just because i was in the men's race 150 of us went through halfway on otq pace and i think 30 some hit the time and so it shows you kind of like the carnage of the course but where i finished i finished with like a minute left on the clock and so everybody behind me was just you know, frantically trying to make it. And I saw two guys get in just with seconds to spare. And then you see the sad stories of guys coming in 10, 15 seconds on the, on the wrong side of the barrier. And so the finish line is just really special. This really the highs and lows of, of, of emotion. Um, and so I was kind of focused on taking that in. And you
1: also mentioned that this is like the first time you could walk away kind of unscathed from a marathon is the marathon now a a better experience for you knowing that you don't have to puke your guts out for hours on end afterwards
0: yeah i i was joking afterwards that like this is the first race i was able to take a shower standing up afterwards and so it it was nice to you know not be just puking and sick for days (laughs) afterwards uh it's probably the best i've ever come off a marathon Um, which hopefully means that I like ran very within myself and probably have, you know, better fitness than maybe I expected. Uh, but yeah, I was
1: able to just be happy and not be sick. So that was a plus. So now the focus is Olympic trials, February 3rd in Orlando. How are you feeling?
0: Yeah. Uh, it depends on the day. Like I came (laughs) off the race pretty well and then this last week i strained my calf again oh jeez uh and so it, it kind of feels like the cycle is just like constantly repeats where i have a good 10 days and then like kind of a bad week and then a good 10 days it's but the the mindset of doing two marathons in in 2 months is really interesting because after the marathon you're like okay well my mindset needs to be recovering from this marathon when everybody else who's training for the trials isn't right, right. The biggest part of their marathon segments. And so you have this, this angel on your shoulder that's like rest, recover. And then the devil on the other side is like, you've got seven weeks to go and you need to be running 120 miles a week. And so it's like this constant battle of, of, you know, what, what do I do and feeling pressure. So I'm trying to just remain grateful that I made it and hope that I can get, two or three more quality weeks in and that I got a big fitness boost from CIM. And, you know, whatever happens at the trials happens. I, I have the worst record at the Olympic trials of any athlete, I think who's ever qualified for the Olympic trials. And so the barrier to improving that record is pretty low.
1: I mean, as long as you don't finish last, you improve your best performance. You have to yeah. finish though. I guess if you count the 10 K being last and then, dnfing at la as long as you finish it's your best marathon finish yeah so i have i <laughs> not have to, not to just hammer that home man. no no, no. I, <laughs> I,
0: I i i see the humor in it there, there's dnf in the first one dfl in the 10k dns in the 2020 trials and so finishing the marathon would be my best ever marathon trials and if i finish a position other than last, it will be my best ever Olympic trials period. My one of my my teammate Will Cross was joking that <laughs> the acronym for this race will be DNR, do not resuscitate. If I
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I have Just a bad leave me. Day. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, but uh, you know, the bottom line is I, I'm really looking forward to going to Orlando with with my teammates. Um, the roots running project has 11 total athletes qualified for the Olympic trials. And so I'm really just hoping to enjoy the experience. And if I can have a second good marathon experience in two months, uh, that would be a huge deal for me. So I think I have to like be realistic with my expectations. And then in terms of like, okay, when can I really hit another marathon at full training potential? Like it's probably not until the fall.
1: Yeah. Do you, does this, this training block, getting the OTQ, does just like relight a fire and like, give you hope that your marathon career, you know, isn't done. Like you still have legs left. You still have life left in being a, uh, competitive marathoner.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, cause I was so limited by my health for so long, like the health of the Achilles, And so I think if the Achilles continues to improve and I am able to train the way I haven't been able to train for a while, that the potential is still there to run really well. Um, We'll just kind of see, you know, it's at this stage in my career, everything is like a year by year basis. My professional contract ends at the end of 2024. And so you know, There's definitely going to be questions this year of like, okay, do I want to try to do this for two more years? Is it realistic to do this for another two years? Or will I get to a place mentally where it's just like, you know what? I'm satisfied with my personal bests. Like when Kyle Merber retired, he was like, I'm not done running. I just know that I've run the fastest I've ever run. And so it's time to do other things. And so it's like, will I get to that mentality? I, I really don't know. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to treat 2024 as my last year. And try to enjoy it and get really fast. And if I still have the fire at the end of the year, then I'll definitely try to stick around a little longer. It's Are a good still... job. It's
1: like a nice job to have. Yeah. yeah, you still haven't run Boston. You don't have you BQ'd yet? Uh, probably not BQ'd, yeah. but you never really run well, Boston. Yeah, Are you yeah, still a marathon. You've never run Boston.
0: I still haven't run Boston. I still haven't finished New York. <laughs> there, there's like a lot of things that there's a lot of races that I still want to do. And I realized that you just, you found, ra- I found races that I liked and I just kept doing them. And then all of a sudden eight years went by and I didn't ever run Boston, <laughs> you know? And so I will probably have to do that, whether it's as a professional or maybe pacing you to uh, your goal of sub four hours, one of these days. <laughs>
1: <Four hours>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> for listeners at home, I'm, Nothing wrong with four hours. That's a great thing. Nothing wrong people. with four people. hours. Yeah. Nothing wrong with four hours. I have run faster than that. And I have a re. you watching me watching you get your goals has inspired me to go achieve my goals that I haven't achieved yet.
0: I know. I saw that 10 mile run the next day. Oh, yeah. I was fired up. Was I, I know. Classic. Whenever, whenever I see a double digit run from you on Strava,
1: (laughs) I know that you're properly motivated. Oh, I'm about to hit 60 miles this week for the first time in years. Let's go. You're probably going to run more than me this week. Well, I mean, it's not hard. (laughs) (laughs) So we covered off. You mentioned your teammates. Do you have any race plans for OTQ or just really just hope it's a good experience like CIM was?
0: primarily i really just hope it's a good experience but you know i know fitness wise i ran 216 at cim with an all out effort on a good day i was probably in 214 shape i would guess i think if i can get down to 213 212 style fitness then i have a chance to run really well in orlando uh, if if i hold up to the heat and humidity and stuff and so I think it's going to be a day or just to go out and see how high I can finish and see if the body cooperates. But I really just want to be a good mentor to my teammates who haven't been there before and kind of soak it in. You know, it's my third OTQ. Like uh, I think I've shown that no OTQ is guaranteed uh, no matter how like fast you are. And so I'll enjoy it. And it's kind of the icing on the cake. Like I said, I've never run two marathons this close together. And so it's kind of an experiment. And if I run well, that'll be great. And if I don't, I think there'll be plenty of excuses as to why,
1: you know, and the highest honor of being the top D three finisher is on the line.
0: That's true. I I think my teammate will cross was the top D three finisher in 2020 Maybe we'll have to verify that fact, or he was at least close. Maybe somebody got him. I can't remember. That was at least his goal.
1: I think we're going to make a shirt and bring him down.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty. Two sick. shirts. Top D3, top D3 finisher would be pretty sick because I think you did some back of the envelope calculations, and maybe you can edit this when you have the actual numbers. But what did you say, like 35 men and 20 something women qualified?
1: It's tw- 25 men, according to my count. And- 25 almost 20 women. I'm not finished with how many count up the women yet, but, uh, Johnny Crane is the top entrant at 212.
0: Love it. Yeah. Who, uh, who nearly lapped me at D three nationals, 10 K, uh, in in 2020, redemption time, 2013. Yeah. Um, so anyway, maybe you'll come back and edit that with, with the exact numbers, but D three is going to be well represented at, at, uh, at the Olympic trials for sure.
1: And I did get a press credential, a media credential. So I'll be down there. Hopefully we can do some fun on site reporting of the D3 legends who have made the Olympic trials.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if you are one of those trials qualifiers and you're listening right now, keep an eye on our uh, Twitter or X or whatever. Um, Instagram, since Stu and I are both going to be down there. We might try to Arrange some kind of get together. Nothing set in stone, so no guarantees, but keep an eye on that space just in case, uh, because it would be cool to get everybody together in some capacity before or after the race.
1: On that note, I think it's a good transition to your second most important thing in life, D3 Glory Days. And the year we had, I think it was a pretty strong year. I think we tried some new things, learned some stuff about the podcast. Grew to 10,000 followers on Instagram, released hats in the summer, released hats right now, announced three more national meets. You finally were there for cross-country. Got some photographers. We've witnessed D3 records. We've talked to so many great folks. It's been a good year at D3 Glory Days.
0: Yeah, for sure. You, You and I were kind of looking back through the episode catalog before we went live and we definitely did some, some different things this year. Um, Both of us called every national championship. And so I think now at this point, you and I feel pretty comfortable as like the voice of D three championships, which is, which is really fun. And we've seen a lot of really awesome performances this year and otherwise, but also I think this year was, was kind of unique in that kind of the first crop of really elite athletes that you and I covered started to graduate or go to different schools. And now I think this is the first year where we're kind of seeing a lot of up and comers and kind of we're seeing the changing landscape of what division three will be for the next couple of years. And I I think that part of it was, was exciting to me. Like we're starting to learn new names.
1: Yeah. New names are popping up and the times aren't slowing down, which I think is really cool to see. And Hopefully it gives coaches the opportunity to go out and recruit, you know, talented athletes across the board and say like D3 isn't something to be looked down upon. I think there's a little bit more conversations about that, especially when you get men and women breaking barriers, like Fiona Smith going under 16 minutes. We had guys go under 14 minutes, multiple guys last year going under 14 minutes, you know, and I think even on the sprint side, we're seeing some new things as well. So yeah, I'm hopeful for the division as a whole because I think, you know, everyone wants to go D1 or bust, but it's it's an exciting time and it makes our jobs a lot of fun. I think it'd be fun no matter what, whatever the times performances are, but seeing the excitement people get for others in D3 is also really cool.
0: And we also got to see, you know, Division Three athletes transitioning to D1 programs. The COVID years made everything really interesting and in that a lot of graduating D3 athletes have the opportunity to run Division I. And so we can actually do that comparison that everybody likes to talk about of how would the best D3 men and women do in Division I. And so we saw, you know, Ella Barron at CU. We saw Alex Phillip at uh, North Carolina Elias Lindgren will debut on the track for CU this, this spring. And so we, we got to see a lot of, you know, D3 athletes in interesting situations and D3 athletes going pro who we'll be talking to in a, in a series next year. Just a spoiler.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, the top end of D3 can hang with the big dogs on both the men's and the women's side. You know, not only did Ella Barron run well for CU, but you saw Clara Mayfield run well for Utah, and they were a national-bound team. So I think this idea that some of the top D3 runners can't hang in D1, I think is false. I mean, I don't know if everyone can make that transition like some of the top end can, but seeing Alex Phillip up there, you know, at the conference meet, the regional meet, the national meet, same with Ella. You know, she's around 1530s. So it's exciting to see what they're, what they're doing. And, you know, also on the, on the pro side too, you know, Annie Rodenfels gets her first U S national championship in the 5k on the roads. We've seen Cassie Parker go pro. So in Ryan, Matt Wilkinson, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. And I think, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of alumni over the years. I think Dan vasalo who we just had on kind of summed it up, like, you're always gonna have this chip on your shoulder because you're a D3 guy. And so bringing that with you and having that passion for running, I think carries you a lot longer than most would think.
0: Stu, so you just mentioned Dan Vasalo, who is our kind of last long form interview of the year. So as we kind of move into the theme of year end recap, what are a few episodes or interviews we did that have really stuck out to you this year?
1: Yeah, it was fun looking back. As I said, we tried some new things on the podcast. We kind of focused a little bit in on the present day athlete. And I think we're going to go back to maybe evening it out. I think we're a little heavy on current day. Not that it's a bad thing, but I think we got to get back to our roots a little bit there with the alumni. But, you know, a few of the episodes that stuck out to me was having Jack Penno back on after he broke four in the mile. He held us to our agreement that if he broke four, we bring him back on. Uh, I think that was a fun episode to kind of hear, you know, his perspective on getting after. I think training alone is a lot is hard, and especially trying to break four alone is even harder. So that was one that stuck out to me. Uh Jared Ottman, he's your teammate now. I think right before we got him, right before he came out to be your teammate. You know, he was a great story of just having a passion and having a dream and gets his OTQ last year at CIM and now is crushing it out with you all.
0: Good. I was I was hoping you weren't gonna take all the episodes, so I wouldn't have to re- reform my answer here.
1: I mean, I have plenty more to go, but
0: yeah, and we'll we'll do some honorable mentions, but before you just rattle them all off, I think some I, I really enjoyed our like athlete of the week series. We kind of invented our our own award and we got to talk with a lot of current athletes kind of through that series. But kind of my one, I think might be my favorite current athlete interview we did was with the Pomona guys after D3 championships with Lucas Florsheim and Derek Firon. I think they had just great mature perspectives on their season and their performance that I found really motivating. Um, friend of the podcast, Parley Hannon, who's been on a couple yep. times, we caught back up with her, really took a deep dive into mental health and what she's been up to since she she graduated. Since we talked to her, she moved out to the East Coast and is now uh, running professionally. And so it's been great to follow her and check in on her periodically over the last couple of seasons of this podcast. And that was a great, really candid episode, a lot of honesty in that episode. And so it's great to create a comfortable space where people can come on here and talk, Another, another episode shout out was uh, Roger Steen. I think it's been cool over the years when we get opportunities to talk to field athletes, um, which we've definitely prioritized a little more in the last season or two because you and I are distance athletes. It's something, it's something we're passionate about. We talk a lot about it, but getting to know shot put hammer throwers, uh, sprinters, obviously. um, And especially men and women who are doing it post-collegiately is really interesting because a lot of times they don't have the support available to professional distance runners. They're really kind of making it work in a, a niche part of a niche sport. And uh, I think it's, it's really inspiring to hear their stories. So yeah, those are a few of my, of my highlights.
1: And I realized when I was scrolling through our list, uh, one kind of, again, another CIM from last year, Sarah Pisani, she's a CMS grad one thing that kind of always stuck out to me was, you know, her balance of work, life, happiness and running. And I think she said something along the lines of like, if I want to have a cookie or if I want to have a glass of wine after a long run, like I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to let that hold me back because of running. And I think that's a great way of looking at, you know, how you balance your running, how you view what makes you happy. You know, if you like cookies, you like wine, you like whatever, like do it. Don't just, not make yourself happy because you have a run the next day you ran today. So that was something that I remembered from way back in January of 2023.
0: Yeah. And I I think a cool thing about our show is a lot of times we're talking to guests that uh, they don't have a lot of notoriety. You know, a lot of people might not know who they are and you and I might not even know really who somebody is. They just have a great result or we noticed they did something unique or special. And so we reach out and, a lot of the guests we talk to are doing the first ever interview they've ever done. And I think that lends itself to really interesting insights. And so I think sometimes as a, as a co-host of this podcast, I'm guilty of like being like, who, like, what, what are we going to talk to this person about? Like, I don't, you know, before the interview, I'm just kind of like, well, doing research, like, I don't know how interesting this is, this is going to be. And then we sit down and we start pulling stories out of people. And I always walk away being like, Wow. Every, every athlete we talk to has a really unique and compelling story. And so if you, uh, if you guys have some time to kill over break, definitely go back through our catalog and maybe one day we'll just start re-releasing some of these episodes. Cause I think they're all worthwhile.
1: What's our tagline telling the untold tales of D3 past and present.
0: And I think we do that. And it, it's kind of, we have kind of a special position because we're, we don't have to fight for these stories, you know, like I feel like they slip through the ra- they slip under the radar of a lot of you know running podcasts or running influencers or whatever, and uh they're really awesome stories, and I think we've been pretty privileged to tell them,
1: yeah, I always get a little burnt out or a little tired just just how many episodes we do or how much editing we have to do or anything like that. I realized just how cool it is to be able to talk to people and how much people get out of their stories, like little messages we get on Instagram or, you know, people texting me or just leaving reviews. You know, it goes a long way that a lot of people enjoy, enjoy this. And we definitely built a fun community, a great audience that's dedicated. And so appreciate you letting us tell these stories year in and year out.
0: Stu, before we sign off, let people go. Just to uh, kind of give a high level preview of some things that people might be able to look forward to from this podcast in early 2024.
1: Yeah, geez, 2024—that's which wild. will
0: be which will be the sixth
1: calendar year of this podcast, fifth. Well, we started like the summer of 2019 and we did like six episodes in six months.
0: We're counting it. The fifth calendar year of D3 Glory Days. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. Yeah, so Noah kind of mentioned it. We're going to talk some newly minted pro runners from the D3 side of things. We're going to continue with our coverage of the Olympic trials with D3 trials files. We'll move into indoor nationals. We'll bring you some more coverage of D three indoors. And then from there, we'll kind of see how the season unfolds. You know, we're excited to get probably get a little bit more back to our roots of D three glory days. We'll obviously still cover the present day, but maybe get some more alumni here on the podcast and get you those stories as well.
0: Before we sign off officially, I think we'll, we'll take a, just a, a quick second to, to thank all of the members of our team, you guys hear from Stu and I a lot, but there, there's other people involved. So Stu, who should we who should we shout out here before we sign off for the year?
1: Yeah, big shout out to Emily Richards, our lead writer. Did a lot of the grunt work, not grunt work, not grunt work a lot of the big work during labor papers,
0: labor of love. I think is what you meant to say, yeah, not grunt labor work of
1: love. She writes really detailed and well done articles that kind of paint the stories of. Cross country and of track. Chris Gutierrez was in on our social media when we were throughout the season when I needed some help. Also during the national meets, especially and in a, indoors and outdoors.
0: And a great race at CIM for Chris.
1: And a great race. Yeah. 219, four minute PR. Missed that OTQ, but I think he's got one in him the next time around. Big shout out to our main photographers, Kyle Loffenberger john reagan siwan park nico clementas i think that's how you say his last name nico <laughs> nico george madison came up clutch with some huge awesome you know uh, videos down the home stretch of ethan greg and you know smith we also worked with a few others throughout the year a lot of people with the name and then we are bringing on another writer we won't announce her just yet, but know that she's won four national titles in the field. So we're bring on a field event specialist to help cover the field side of things during this year's season.
0: Well, Stu, it's it's been a pleasure. Another year of D3 Glory Days in the books. And so I'll just sign us out here. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of D3 Glory Days. A reminder that we still have some winter hats available. And if you're listening now, you can use promo code LISTENER. To get 10% off, that's listener, all lowercase, and you'll get 10% off the hat. Those will ship when I get back to Boulder on the 28th. So if you place an order between now and then, it'll ship after the 28th. But thanks for everybody who ordered those hats so, so far. Thanks for everybody who contributed to this podcast via Patreon and via Venmo. You can find links to those down below in the show notes. We'll be back in 2024. Happy holidays. Until we talk to you again, here's to the glory days.